We have an announcement, and I told you at the beginning of the message that that phrase, fasting for feasting, was not just because of what we talked about, not just because of what Jesus talked about, but because of a new initiative and a new space in, we're, in which we're inviting you to join us. But first, I want to show you a picture. And in this picture, I've been thinking about our church in this way for the last few years. And if you look in that landscape, you see the horizon and you see the sun breaking over the waves. And I really view our church as this, we know who we want to be. We know at a horizon level who we feel confident in who we're becoming. We're Jesus people. We're, we keep things simple. It's about Jesus and following him. And more and more, we believe our horizon level church is a church that's in the neighborhood, for the neighborhood, reflecting the neighborhood in all its diversity, in all its mess, but in all its beauty. And that's our horizon. That's where we're headed. That's where we're angling. We're not picking up and moving out to a more glamorous and hipper and cooler part of town. We're headed toward trying to pay attention to what God is doing and responding appropriately. But I'll tell you, and this is what our church assessment kind of bore out, is that we really have all an idea of the horizon, but it's that first little foreground step that we have no idea where to go. So if you look in that painting, you see that bank, and you see a little bit of a path. And I'll confess to you, that in our church, it's kind of the elders' responsibility to pay attention and respond and to call us to do this together, to hear from you and what's going on in your heart and where you feel called to move and act and to empower and equip you. But we felt a little bit of tension of like, man, what's the first or second step? And I'll be really honest with you, 2019 feels like a real pivotal year for some reason in my heart. For six months, I've just had this thought of like, Lord, I have this sense that we've been praying for boldness, and I have this sense that you're saying, be the answer to your prayer. And I, uh, we've been praying for new Christians, and, and I just have had this sense of like, I think it's going to require risks to get out there, and he'll meet us. But it's a pivotal year because I also believe that if we would just have a sense and a taste of new life and new people, not just switching churches and liking how we do things, but for the neighbors that we've been building relationships to see not just us and the good things we do, but to see us as brother and sister and to be invited not only into life in our church, but life in Jesus. And that's a hard thing in 2019. Whether you're the biggest mega church or the littlest church, across the board, people just don't go to church. I heard recently this week that people born 1985 on, less than 10% are involved in a church. That's our generation for many of us. Something has shifted in our culture. Now, we see this as an opportunity. And so with that said, and with this really being a pivotal year, the big question that has emerged is this. If we want to reach our neighbors and become the church we're called to be, that horizon level, where are the relational lines already drawn? Where do we already have points of contact 
within the neighborhood, we feel called to follow Jesus together. And I'll tell you, you were there today. God has gifted us a relationship with Freeman Heights and at The Rock, and we have hundreds of contacts through The Rock. And I'm saying we have documents and files of people, hundreds of them. People we've prayed with, we've sat down with, face to face, you've painted nails, you've massaged their hands, we've played with their kids for week after week after week of rockin' summer, and we've seen them. We walked in on Wednesday, one of them said, hey Amy, and people asked us when you were at the women's retreat, where's Toby? We have relational lines already drawn, but I gotta name the disconnect. We don't see them filling this church building. So the secondary question that we've been asking is, should we continue expecting the neighborhood to fill the church, or should we try to take a few steps in whatever way seems appropriate now to fill the neighborhood with the church? So we put on our orange shirts and we go and we give out tangible needs and we meet tangible needs, but our desire more and more is that elusive kingdom presence. And the kingdom presence requires, like any relationship, showing up and time. Your best friends are your friends because you've showed up and you've spent time. Now, here is what I'm proposing to us. There's an idea that seemed to coalesce with this question that we came across two years ago. We bought a little book when the pastors and spouses were in Missio Alliance, and it was a movement described in those pages of churches in urban centers or churches in multi-ethnic and socio, socio-economically diverse neighborhoods, that, a lot like where we are, exactly like where we are. And they saw this same issue of why should we just expect them to keep showing up, showing up? How can we get to them? And it's so simple, it's so obvious. And what they did was go back to what Jesus did. And you can't read the Gospel of Luke without noticing that Jesus was always at dinner parties. And so our big idea that is so simple is this, the neighborhood table, the neighborhood table. I hope that's not anticlimactic to you, but let me tell you, it's a space in which we share a meal in Jesus with our neighbors. It's an idea originated out of churches that went out and planted not worship gatherings, but dinner parties. And in Seattle, 15 and 30 and on and on, these churches sprang up in which the neighbors were just invited to a huge banquet, a huge meal, and they said, if you would like to stick around, hang out, we're gonna tell you a story about Jesus, we'll sing a song about Jesus, And then if you want, we'll pray with you. All of that, at the end, takes about 20 minutes. It's not a sermon like you heard tonight. It's not a big production like you heard tonight. We want to tell the story of Jesus in a few minutes. Then we want to make some kind of connecting point and maybe even open it up for questions for our neighbors that may not be safe or feel welcome to share it in a space like this. So, then, the headline, though, is a meal. Jesus was always having meals. Jesus talked about meals. Meals are the spaces in which we break bread and it's a sign of the kingdom. So I need you to know that we're meeting a deeper need for kingdom community. 
It's not just a meal. And sometimes we've told these people, we, we're, I'm thinking about this, I'm talking with people in the community and in the city, and they're like, yeah, that's great, just feed them. They said, no, 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 it's more than a meal. This is less of a soup kitchen and more of a dinner party. So I need you to know that we're trying to meet a deeper need for kingdom community. We're trying to meet a deeper need for kingdom community. And this is the idea. How many of your relationships grow over meals? We have people coming over tomorrow to build a relationship. It's self-evident. And of course, like we've talked about before, breaking bread is throughout the New Testament, and it's the way we break down barriers. And I feel like we're called to take another step in trying to break down some of the barriers. The second thing I want you to know is the how matters. We say that a lot in our church, right? The how matters. Think about the building of the rock. It needs a little TLC. It's not the prettiest space on the block. So I think it's incumbent on us if we're gonna offer a meal to the community, the how matters and what that looks like is tablecloths, place settings, centerpieces. We're trying to figure out if we do real, actual plates. We're trying to think, is that wise to do? Can we pull that off? But even if we don't, we want to have a huge meal, not just a potluck, but we're figuring out ways in which we provide a meal. And what we communicate is abundance. When Jesus fed people in the wilderness, he didn't feed five, he fed 5,000. And you know what's amazing? He had leftovers. So how matters? We're gonna buy a bunch of to-go containers and we want all the food going home. But you need to understand this, not because they're needy and we need to serve them. Please hear me, please hear me, please hear me. It is not another thing of us from the top giving them something below. We eat with them. This is not a soup kitchen, all power to the soup kitchens. This is a dinner party with our neighbors because we wanna create space to turn neighbors into family. That's the third thing I want you to know. That's part of our core practice, isn't it? Creating space for God and others in order for transformational relationships to grow. It's hard to build relationships a few hours every third Saturday. So what would it look like to use the connections, the relational lines that are already drawn in order to invite them to dinner that same week? We're still in the conceptual phases, but we want to communicate that you are worth this. You are worth this spread, this effort, all the nuts and bolts of what it takes, and you're worth our attention and our relationship. And then I'll say this, finally, we want to give people an opportunity to belong before they believe. This is a mantra that has been really fascinating to me because what we're seeing in 2019, when I talked about earlier, people don't just show up to a church. They show up when somebody's invited them, when they know them, when they can sit with somebody. People will kind of darken the door of a church just sight unseen, but mostly they need to belong before they believe. And so this is a space in which we're taking another step toward them instead of expecting them to just take a step toward us. And we want to laugh together. We want to share a meal together. And if they want to stick around, it's not a bait and switch. We want to tell them about the one that we love and we would love them to know. So all of that said, we're still in the conception phase. We still will need your help. We need your excitement, your enthusiasm. I want to tell you, we told our group leaders and they're excited. They're enthusiastic. It's going to be a lot of work, though. 
But we feel like even just a monthly meal can help, and we hope, be a step that helps to open up and create space for new Christians to come into life with Jesus and life in our community. Now, with all that said, we are inviting you to do three things. We did not budget for dinner church. I think we will, and I think we've got some money that can help, but we're inviting you to own this, to take part of this, and in a season where we've just talked about of giving and praying and fasting, we're inviting you to give. And church, we're inviting you in the season of Lent, which is six weeks, to give to the tune of $5,000. Because we've been pricing food warmers, we've been pricing tablecloths and napkins and all of those things. And it starts to add up when you consider that we saw 20 families today. And each of those families represents the four or five more that didn't come to the clothes closet. And we're thinking, if we got a group of our people inviting a group of their people, and all those kids that we see in the summer, we could be talking about a big, big meal. But we're also looking at ways in which we can do it very low cost. But it's going to involve a cost. Now, y'all didn't hear anything I just said because you heard $5,000. Let me tell you about this church. We give, we give generously, cheerfully, and sacrificially. I'm going to pull back the curtain and tell you there's about 22 to 28 regularly contributing units, right? Individuals or families in this church. If everybody gave on an average, you have, if we just started next week, even before Lent, we've got six to eight weeks to scare up 200 bucks a unit. Now, I also invited you to pray, and I also invited you to fast. I went back and looked at how much I spend on coffee, not coffee at my house, but coffee out there. Y'all know I stopped at Rosalind on my way to church tonight. Sorry, Amy, I did. We were out of coffee at the house. And it got me thinking, and it's got Pastor Kathy and Pastor Bud thinking, what is it that we can fast from in order to feast with our neighbors? Some of you, 200 bucks is nothing to sniff at. It's nothing to sneeze at. I understand. What I'm asking you to do is to think of ways when we already tend to give up things for Lent, what are some ways in which you can give up this silly or incidental purchase in a way of disciplining and aligning yourself to something bigger and beyond and to see what God can teach you through that. We're also going to hold a space in our Lenten series, so in three weeks, where we're going to have some impromptu prayer in this room with all the kids running around after our service. We couldn't figure a better way to do it. We're not going to ask you for another night, but we're going to say we're going to commit to in the Saturdays of Lent, if you can, we'll close down our service and they'll start tearing down and we'll just meet back there and we'll pray intentionally for this thing. We'll pray for our neighbors. We'll pray for healing in people in our own community. We're going to pray. We're also, like I said, inviting you to give. Someday we'll budget for this if it works and we look and see, you know, this is making a kingdom impact and we'll go from there. But today, we're asking you to give. So that's our announcement. That's our spiel. If you have questions or if something is burning inside you, say, I want in. Talk to me. We're still assembling like a core team, a lead team. And we're helping to get this thing up and off the ground. So any questions, come chat. With all that, 